0: Spotlights is a series of online events and publications focusing on a particular group of victim survivors who are often hidden from services. This week as part of our Spotlight on domestic abuse and homelessness, my colleague Deirdre has met with Joan from Basis, a Yorkshire based charity working with adult women who are sex working. Today Deirdre and Joan talk about the additional barriers and challenges that these women can face and how the Housing First model can help to address some of those challenges.
1: So, hi, Joan. Thank you for joining me today to talk about homelessness and domestic abuse.
2: Hi, David. It's good to talk to you.
1: Good to talk to you as well. Um, I know that Basis is a Yorkshire-based charity, and through your adult work, you work with women who have been sex-working. But today, I know that we're going to be speaking more specifically about the work that you do with women who are sex-working, but also experiencing homelessness through um, a pilot that you've newly developed called Housing First. So, just to start out, can you tell me what the links are between homelessness and sex working?
2: Yes, um, a lot of our women who work on street sex working have um, experience of periods of homelessness. Uh, They don't necessarily seem as visible as some of the male homeless people in our city because women tend to um, sofa surf. So they'll go and stay with friends. Sex working women will sometimes stay with clients, with punters. Um, women will stay with men and exchange sex for a roof over their head for the night. So um, most of the women that we work with who are working on street uh, will have had experience of periods of homelessness in their life. Um, And if they're not actually officially homeless, as it were, they can be very unsafely housed. So they can be housed with landlords who expect sex from them. Um, as well as rent, uh, all all kinds of of experiences. So homelessness is a huge part of their experience.
1: So does, I guess, does sex working kind of um, keep them in that cycle? It sounds like exchanging sex for a roof over the head sometimes seems safer than being on the street. Are they constantly weighing up those risks? Is that an issue they come across?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And I've been involved with uh, this charity for many years now, and we did have um, instant access hostels in Leeds. So if we were out on the outreach van until midnight doing an outreach session, and we saw a woman who didn't have anywhere to go that night, we could call and get her a bed at a hostel in Leeds for the night and then take her there. But because of changes in hostel provision in Leeds... Um, that's that's not as readily available as it was. So there is only one place now that women can go to and have a bed for the night. And it's, it's not really a facility that we find that women use. It's a mixed facility. And uh, lots of women don't want to go there. So often it will get to very late in the evening and maybe women are having to make decisions very quickly in, in not very safe circumstances about what to do, whether to sleep, literally out on the streets, whether to sleep, um, you know, go, go home with someone that maybe they wouldn't choose to go home with. So the decisions are they're very, very difficult decisions.
1: Mm. And they don't sound like much of a choice. They just sound like weighing up risks. <laughs>
2: absolutely it's it's not the best choice, it's just the least worse and um often obviously there are other layers of consideration there. Women might be under the influence of of drugs and alcohol, they might be um, experiencing the effects of needing to access drugs and alcohol, so in withdrawal states um so yeah it's it's not it's not a, the best choice. it's sometimes just the least worse at that moment.
1: Mm-hmm. And how does domestic abuse come into this mix?
2: Um, again, with the women that we work with on street, and I, I keep saying on street because basis also what women who are working indoors. Okay. So we've got women who are sex working in saunas and their own flats and all all kinds of different scenarios. The women that I work with um, with Housing First uh, tend to be on street sex working women because they're obviously. The um, of, often the women who are most vulnerably housed um, for those women domestic violence has often not always but often been a part of their lives since they were very very small mm-hmm. and in some- is pre-birth sometimes their, their mothers were experiencing domestic violence before they were even born um so for for a lot of the women that i'm working with domestic violence has been a part of their lives forever yeah and um again it can be incredibly complicated situations we have women who are with men for sort of 15 20 years they have children with violence has been a part of that relationship the whole time often as well interestingly and I do have to say this the the women can actually be the perpetrators of the violence Mm -hmm. so they're obviously incredibly they're often chaotic and violent relationships but from both sides so the women can can often um find themselves being Um, Arrested and charged with being perpetrators of violence too. So domestic violence is is just part and parcel of of the chaos.
1: Okay, so it's all quite intertwined and interwoven. It absolutely is, and it's not as clear-cut, certainly as I
2: thought before I came into this kind of work, where the woman would always be the victim, the male perpetrator, a man forcing a woman to go out and sex work. It's not as clear-cut as that. It's much, much more complex and complicated.
1: Great. So um, you've got women who are experiencing homelessness, they're sex working, experiencing domestic abuse on some level as well. What um, led you to think that Housing First was a good approach to try in supporting these women? And I guess what made you think Basis was the best place to do that? Right.
2: Um, I think in, in the years I've been a support worker, housing has always been a humongous problem. It's always been absolutely massive that um, clients have either been homeless, they've been threatened with homelessness, they've been incredibly insecurely housed, they've been housed in some horrible places so uh, working with women who are in prison, when they come out, they've got nowhere to go to. So underpinning everything else that you try to do is the, the problem of, of secure housing. So without without housing, it's harder to get onto a methadone prescription. So it's harder to reduce your drug use. It's harder to register for benefits because you can't get a bank account. So being safely housed underpins all the other things that that women want putting in place for them so i think looking at it housing is just a complete no-brainer it has to start with with someone having somewhere safe to live before you can start on the other things i'm looking at maslow's hierarchy of needs you can't start talking to someone about getting onto a methadone prescription or about going back to college or about volunteering if they don't know where they're going to sleep that night so housing just has to be in place. Uh, why basis? Because we're the best at what we do. <laughs> uh, we are a fantastic organisation who've been going for a long time in Leeds. We, um, we, as I say, we work with indoor sex workers as well. We're the only organisation in Leeds doing that, and um, we we know we know the complexities. We know the the chaos. Um, we know the women we've, we've been working with them for so many years they know us, they trust us, we've got a good relationship with them, we've got a great relationship with all the other services and leads so for getting women into treatment for getting them um, you know, on benefits for yep. all the other yeah. things that go around that we have all those links in place so um, Basis was just the obvious choice for, for, for doing the, the Housing First Pilot Great and, and,
1: and who are you partnering with to do it? Who's funding it and who's providing the housing and all of that?
2: Right. The funding is coming through a big lottery. Yep, It's only for a year, so it's only ever going to be a pilot scheme. So we are hoping to keep the funding going. We've got other other things uh, in the pipeline at the moment to hopefully keep the funding going. Uh, we are partnering with Wi-Fi, which is West Yorkshire Finding Independence Project. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They work with people with uh, three out of four um, who, who tick three out of four criteria, which is offending, homelessness, mental health, and drug and alcohol issues. Okay. So they, they are working with some of the most chaotic and hardest-to-reach people in the city. And our other partner is Foundation Housing, who are a housing association, again, who are very, very well-established and well-respected in, in the Yorkshire area.
1: So the women that you refer in or I guess, who may access housing first, do they have to tick three out of four of those criteria that you just mentioned
2: right no, no, they don't, and okay. this has been really interesting. This is really interesting that um sometimes the people who look as though they would meet the criteria on paper aren 't necessarily the people who would do best with housing first okay and i'm very lucky in that i've been given um really the the trust of of my organisation to assess women and to make a decision on who I feel will benefit best and, and get the most from the project.
1: So you got the funding for this Housing First project. I'm sure that must have been really exciting for the staff to think that you could actually provide a housing response to the women that you were supporting, how did how did they react to that? Did they think it was an instant solution that you could provide all these women housing? Did you have to kind of narrow down their expectations? How, what was the dynamic?
2: I was almost knocked over in the rush. Um, I have I work with a team of five um, five workers on on our adult team, and all of them could have filled my caseload two or three times over. Everyone had people. Um, and as soon as I said this is going to be housing and we are going to be providing the housing uh, via foundation, every one of my team said that's fantastic. I've got someone for you. I've got someone. For you. I've got three people for you. I've got four people for you. So yes, um, we did. We did have to look at expectations because, as I said, it's so difficult to get women housed. Um, in places that are appropriate, that are safe, that are permanent, that are just decent. So um, my team, I think, immediately thought that if they had anyone who needed housing, then they could access housing first. And it's very different. Housing and housing first is really different. We've got so many women who need housing. Um, We haven't necessarily got all those women who need housing first. So, for instance, uh, one person was referred to me who has had long periods of homelessness, mental health issues, lots of chaotic drug use, um, offending behaviour, all kinds of things. Uh, When I assessed that woman for housing first, I decided that she didn't really fit the criteria because the bottom line was she didn't want a tenancy She wanted to be somewhere where there was permanent staff, where she had support 24 hours a day, and said that having her own tenancy would actually add to her stress levels. It wouldn't help her. So So although she needed housing desperately, um, she she wasn't suitable for Housing First because it wasn't what she wanted when I explained to her what Housing First was.
1: So can you give a bit of an explanation as to what, what Housing First is because we've discussed it in a few other podcasts that people might have listened to but they might not know what the basic concept is and why it's different to just providing somebody with housing. Yes
2: yeah it's very intensive support it's a tenancy alongside intensive support. Um so I, I have a caseload of six and I work full time. So that's obviously quite uh, quite a small caseload for a full time worker. What it does mean is that, for instance, last week when one of my clients contacted me and said, I need some help today, I was able to spend a full day with her, which most support workers, obviously, you, you can't do that. You know, people carrying caseloads of 15, 20 people. Um, so it means that I can put a lot of, of time um, and attention into each of my clients as and when they need it. Um, so it's, it is much more than just giving someone a tenancy. Um, and as the name suggests, it's housing mm-hmm. first. So it's not about saying to people, the, the supported housing model, for instance, you need to, to jump through certain hoops. So in Leeds, for instance, the model has been that women have gone into the instant access hostel, After a little while in there, they've moved to um, a hostel where the staff aren't there 24 hours a day. From there, they've moved into short-term supported housing. And then from there, hopefully, into a council property, a local authority property, maybe nine, 12 months down the line. Um, And at any point in that process, if they don't, or can't abide by the rules so maybe meet with their support workers be in at a certain time in the hostels all this kind of thing then the system kind of stops working for them and that's where a lot of our sex working women would fall down because they go out to work at midnight and get in at six in the morning they're not so they can't move back at a hostel for 11 p.m it's not possible Um, they're sleeping through the day then so they can't necessarily meet with their key worker so it's it's not been an ideal system for them so to be able to come along and say this is housing first what you need first and foremost is somewhere safe and permanent to be and then we'll put in the support around that as and when you need it so if a client said to me I don't want to see you for two or three weeks then that's fine so long as they know that I'm there if they do need me in that time maybe you know i'll just yeah. ask if they wouldn't mind checking in with me just so i know they're safe but there's no it, it's not a case of you have to meet with your key worker once a week or we're giving you written warnings and this kind of thing and that's that's how a lot of hospital accommodation and how a lot of supported housing works by necessity there are there are certain criteria need to be met
1: yeah definitely and And it almost sounds like sometimes you're set up to fail and that failure, feeling of failure must be really difficult to deal with. Yeah, see you later.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. It's very much set up for, for people who are ironically quite sort of organized and quite um you know quite structured so you know you must be in at a certain time you must meet with people you must attend all your appointments you must do all your support plans every month or two which is it's a it's a great system if you're in a place where you can you can work with that it's really supportive but if you're not in a place where you can where you can fit in with that it, it can be quite difficult so this is why I think as you're asking about how the team responded to housing first um the response was huge because it was this is fantastic this is something that can be tailored to the needs of the women rather than them have to fit in with
0: yeah, um, yeah.
1: so
2: the team were all very much you know this is amazing Joan's going to house all our our difficult to house women and it's all going to be wonderful but unfortunately of course it can't work like that because we've got six spaces
1: yeah so you gave an example of um, a woman who looked like she'd fit the criteria for housing first because she's experiencing chronic homelessness she's got very complex and multiple needs um, but at the end of the day she didn't want it and it sounds like choice is at the center of of what you do through Housing First. Do you have an example of a woman who it has worked really well for that has kind of stopped that cycle of of homelessness? I think in our phone call, you mentioned a woman in, in and out of prison. Yes,
2: that's right. Another of our women, um, she'd, she'd had her own tenancy for many years and she'd done really quite well. But then um, she'd got in, her addictions had spiraled um, a little bit more out of control. She lost her tenancy um, and started to get into quite a, a bad uh, cycle of offending and then short prison sentences and then coming out to nowhere where to live. So, again, doing all the sofa surfing and all the the things that we were talking about um, and then offending again and then short prison sentences. So what we find with a lot of our women is that they don't get the kind of long prison sentences that often men get. Women tend to go to prison for shorter periods. So we might have women who would go to prison for they may may be arrested for shoplifting and then they don't turn up at prison. Um, So they don't turn up at court. Okay. and then a warrant's out for them and then they don't turn up at court again and then they when they do get to court it's maybe a six-week prison sentence so they serve three weeks of that and then they're out they've nowhere to stay and this can very quickly become a revolving door so I got a referral uh, from uh, the wi-fi worker Saying that this, this woman that he was working with was doing a lot of very short sentences. She was coming out with nowhere to live, um, going back into sex working, drug addiction, um, offending again, back in prison for two or three weeks again. So she'd had a lot of short sentences, not long enough to get a lot of support from the prison system. So not long enough to get onto a, a drug methadone program and this kind of thing. Um, but sort of long enough sentences to disrupt everything. So yeah. she came into housing first. Um she got a permanent tenancy in the area of her choice, which is how the model is supposed to work. She got quite a lot of intensive support from me at first to get onto a methadone prescription and to stick with that, to get to her appointments. I physically took her to appointments and this kind of thing, um, to engage with probation regularly, because again, that was reasons why she'd gone back to prison before, not reoffending, just not keeping her probation appointments and her license conditions. Um, and she has only stayed in the Housing First system for maybe four or five months. And she is now stable enough to not need that anymore. She'll keep her property because that's a permanent tenancy. So she'll keep her property. She's been referred on to some much, much lower level uh, support. And now she's out of the Housing First system which is great so she came in she stayed in for a very short period of time with a lot of intensive support when she needed it she doesn't need that anymore that's fine she's moved on i've got someone else who was the only the second person i moved in um nine months ago and she's still with me and i'm still seeing her two or three times a week and she's still needing that quite high level so again the beauty of it is being able to tailor the support to what each individual needs, which is just fantastic.
1: And it's what they tell you they right. need. Absolutely. It
2: absolutely is. And when people are ready to to sort of move on in, in either short steps or a giant leap, that's, that's fine. But it's never where everything's taken away. It's always... The support is always there for for people to access if they need it.
1: Yeah. For the woman that you were supporting who was at first in and out of prison for re-offending, why why do you think that having a permanent housing is what stopped that cycle of offending?
2: Right. I think it's several factors, as as a lot of these things are. So she would come out of prison and she would go and stay with someone, anyone who would put her up. So maybe a friend. She'd been in touch with or she'd been in a prison or something, that person might be offending themselves. So, being around other people, going out shoplifting, you're more likely to do it. That person might be drug using quite a lot. Um, she might have gone to stay with someone who said, Yes, yeah, you can stay with me, but you've got to uh, pay me with heroin. Yeah. So, then she's yeah. going out and she's shoplifting or she's sex working or she's, you know, whatever, um, to not only fund her own habit, but to pay her rent. Yeah. So yeah. coming out to something that is hers, if she still wants to go out and sex work, that's fine. This yeah. is not about stopping women sex working. Yeah. It's not about yeah. stopping women drug using. Yeah. But she, yeah. she has a base. She has a safe place. So she's not going out and shoplifting to give someone else money or heroin or whatever for a roof over her head. Yeah. So if she is still working, sex working, she's doing it to fund her own habit. If she is still choosing to shoplift, that's 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 her decision, that's yeah. her choice. But she's doing it from a place where she has her safe place to to work from. And also if she chooses, then on an evening after she's been out sex working or whatever, if she chooses to go home with someone else to their property, then that's fine. But if she chooses, she's got her own place, she's got her own front door and a key.
1: Yeah, that makes
2: sense. It's about having that oasis away from a situation that maybe you don't want to be in, but if you don't have any any alternative, you have to be in that that situation. This is the thing. It's not about saying by having a home, no one ever offends or no one drug uses or whatever. Uh, it's saying you've you've got choices. And the, the other thing is that, um, I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but if a person goes to prison and serves less than 13-week sentence, their housing benefit will continue while they're in prison. Right. So even if that person, she hasn't gone back to prison as it happens, which is fantastic, but even if she did, if she went back to prison for three weeks, her home would still be there for her to come out to. Yeah. So even if that behaviour takes a little while for her to choose to change it, the
1: security remains. That's what anybody should be able to have, regardless of what they do or don't do. It absolutely is. We
2: all have a right to be safe. And um, often the sex-working women aren't, aren't safe. They don't have that place of safety. So to be able to to contribute to that, even if it's only for a small number of women, is a fantastic thing for us as an organization to be able to do. Great.
1: So you've got funding for a year, and this is a pilot, and you're trying to prove that this is a wonderful thing that you want to keep going. What have you learned so far from the pilot? What do you want to showcase to kind of make sure it continues?
2: Well, we only have three months more of of the year to run. So we're being evaluated at the moment. And that's a really exciting process because as a worker, you tend to be so busy doing that you don't stand back always and, and look at the bigger picture. So working with Emma, who is doing our evaluation, Um, we are interviewing the women. That's obviously being done by an independent person. I'm not doing that. So someone's going to interview the women, talking to them about the differences that Housing First has made to them. We're also saying to them, what could we do better? What aren't we getting right? Because we want to learn from it. Um, I think what I'm learning, one of the big things, and this may sound rather strange, but um, being in a permanent tenancy is completely different to being in supported housing and the reason one of the biggest reasons that I think I've noticed that the biggest evidence of that is that I've been a worker um, in a supported housing project and what I found a lot was that women when they were desperate would sell possessions from the house so they would sell the white goods they would sell the fridge they would sell the washing machine they would sell the microwave things like this because they needed that money. Since we've moved people into the Housing First project, and it's their tenancy, it's theirs, it's their, you know, it it belongs to them. Um, We've not had anything sold. And I think that's made me realize how much the women value having something of their own, somewhere they can call their own. The other thing is that women have often let other women come and stay with them. Um, in their housing first tenancies, which is completely understandable because as we've talked about sofa surfing, um, most of the women have have had friends do that for them. So now they've got the opportunity to help other other women they are doing. Um, But any instances that we've had of antisocial behaviour have usually been um, as a result of the guests that they've had staying with them and women have tried to get this situation sorted out quite quickly because they've said things to me like this is my flat and I don't want to upset my neighbours or this is my house and I don't want to put that at risk. So, again, it's about the language that women are using in housing first to the language I've heard women use in supported housing, which is more of a, well, I know I'm here for a little while, but it's not mine. And when I move somewhere else, but now it's this is mine and I I care about it and I want to keep it and I want my neighbour I want to get on with my neighbours and it's it's a completely different feel. And again, it's it's about something that most of us can take for granted about having something that we call our own. And it makes a huge difference.
1: It sounds like it's about Dignity and independence and choice and just a say over your life can have a massive impact on how you view what you're capable of doing and 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 what you want for yourself, really. It sounds like it plays a massive role in who you are. Yes, it
2: it is. And I think all those words that you've used about dignity and choice and, and everything, um, you know, people have said to me, when they find out the job that I do, um, oh, so you you stop women sex working then? And it's not about that. I am not here to to tell women they should or they shouldn't sex work, they should or they shouldn't use drugs, they you know what, how they should live, how they should be. But I think to be able to to help a woman to have a choice, to think I can do this. And I can do this. It's fantastic. And, and yes, the thing about dignity and respect and everything is absolutely huge.
1: Giving them a home actually gives them the space to make that choice without the fear of coercion or violence or whatever it is. Yes.
2: Yes. And, and we've, we've had one woman who um, has um, a very violent partner. And she's been housed, and on several occasions, she's chosen to give him a key. And that's fine, because then she's, you know, the next day or a couple of days later, she's come and said, will you please change the locks? And we've said, yes, we will. And we're working we're working together to talk about, about safe relationships, about respect, about healthy relationships, about all that kind of thing. Um, but we're also saying... It's okay if you need the locks changing. It's okay that you're making decisions and then making another one because we we can do that. And, again, in some supported housing, it would have been you can't have a lock change or if you do, you've got to pay for it yourself and this kind of thing. So, again, it's not about saying to someone, this is what you should be doing. It's about saying you can make choices and, you know, you can have, as you've just said, that space to think, to be, to relax that's your space, and that's that's a really precious thing. And again, it's something that most of us can take for granted.
1: Yep, it's, it's important. I think so as well.
0: Thank you for listening. If you'd like to find out more about Safe Lives Spotlight on Domestic Abuse and Homelessness, please go to our website, safelives.org.uk. Where we will be uploading new content every week from different experts between the 7th of August through to the 15th of September, and we want to hear from you. We need your views, experiences, and practice or tips. So join the conversation on Twitter with the hashtag #SafeAtHome and get involved on in the Safe Lives community. Thank you.